everyone. Welcome to your Valkyrie Inc. performance review. Oh god, I hate these. <laughs> Not again. I'm gonna get fined this time. <laughs> uh, hi everybody, welcome to our retrospective episode for Continuum. Um, I am here with Andy, who played B, Adam, who played Jack, Roger, that played Seabold, and Tanner, that played Cameron. At least a little bit. Sir, not <laughs> appearing in this film. Sir, fuck you. <laughs> Sir, fuck Until you. the end. Uh-huh. So, I wanted to start by opening up the floor to Adam, Andy, and Roger specifically. Is there anything you want to say to Tanner? Yeah, fuck you, Tanner. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you so hard. No, I haven't met you in person yet, but when I meet you, I'm going to hug you and I'm going to punch you. I was so excited at the very beginning of this because Nick was like, oh, yeah, Tanner's going to be involved. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, I really think he's a cool, good actor. And I really like Marco on Void Fair. It's going to be so neat getting to play a game with him. And then this motherfucker comes up <laughs> and is like, oh, just kidding. I've been dead the whole time. So, like... I was so excited to play together when we were doing all of our, like, Session Zero stuff. I was like, oh, this will be fun. Tanner will be a bunch of fun to play with. I really vibe with this person. And then just you fucking die and disappear off the call. And my heart broke. And then the rest of the series happened. And then my heart broke more. And I will never forgive you. Any strong feelings, Roger? Tanner's just been edging me for years. At this point, I'm not even fiery about it. <laughs> Amazing. But I will say we we did start a game that we are playing off stream. So at, at least I, I, I am actually, you know, scratching that itch, just not in any way that anyone here can consume. <laughs> like my right. anger has only increased, I think in part because I started listening to Voidfarer and the time span between starting this podcast and now. And... Uh, yeah, I'm mad. I'm mad. Tanner, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm more responsible for this than you are. You're taking the brunt of it. What I am hearing from everybody right now is that you all love me, and I love you too, and I did my job. Uh-huh. Which was my goal. Um, so yeah, no. Um, I I understand, Nick, and but I still take the, the criticism. I get it, because we did, you know pull the wool over everybody's eyes here including the cast so i will i will take my brunt of it <laughs> i will say i think that kind of like threw me a little like for the first recording and like to the point where i listen back and i like cringe a little because i'm like this was not how i was intending on starting out playing b but that was because you guys like just threw me for such a loop that was like part of the and I guess this is evolving into a little bit of an open discussion about the season on a whole, which wow, was the amazing next... how I did that. What a yeah, good thank cast you for that segue. A nice little transition. Well, um, no, but uh, no, that was like kind of part of why I wanted to do the flashbacks first. So for our listeners, I mentioned it um, in one of the mid roll of. I think the second episode, the episode with the first flashback with Delphine, that we recorded four out of the six flashbacks in advance. So those events actually happened first for our players before the events of the main storyline. We did go back and record two extra ones because the season got extended two episodes. So the idea behind that was start to let you guys get a feel for your characters before episode one. 
because I was going to throw you for a loop immediately out the gate of episode one. <laughs> a time loop. A time loop. I have such a hard regret with my flashback with the when when B's arm broke. Because, like, there was, like, three times in that flashback you were like, you could go talk to Cameron. And I was trying to do, like, the slow burn, right? Mm, and mm. I was like, no, I don't want to talk to Cameron yet. I want to build on that as the season goes. So I didn't go talk Oops. to Cameron. And then Cameron <laughs> fucking died. Things left unsaid. Exactly. I'm kind of sad that you didn't come to Cameron because I think we could have done something there. But at the same time, too, I'm also really glad you didn't because I think it still really works for the narrative and the story. Yeah. Like, it's very much yeah. more downplayed, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you for making Seabold the butt of the joke in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great scene. <laughs> uh,. Yeah, no, that like honestly, it makes like the the storytelling of it all even better because it it adds a tragic element to both B and Cameron's stories, punctuated by the fact that neither of them survived. Yeah, yeah, that's even more rough too because like mm -hmm. like yeah, it's just a full tragedy from start to finish. Mm-hmm. I said it back in June. Nick knew. <laughs> Nick knew what was gonna happen at the end of this. Back in June. We were in the car, and I'm like, B's going down in a blaze of glory. She's not going to stand for the others not surviving. She's She will die before that happens. What 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 happened? What happened? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, there are a lot of ways that could have went. I wasn't rolling anything out, but It's yeah. true. Um, <laughs> I knew. Uh-huh. Like, the so, moment that that battle started, I'm like, well, this is it. Bye, y'all. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> It was the final confrontation with the monster, if it was going to happen at any point. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so we do got some questions, but before we get into them, I still want to like uh, kind of go around a little bit. And um, uh, for uh, anyone who would like to kind of, I, I guess, share their general um, kind of like thoughts about the overall season, the game system or the the story or or whatever, um, and uh, just sort of get everyone's general thoughts and then I'll filter in the questions as we go. Does anybody want to kick us off any burning thoughts? I don't know. I will say like when we, when we did our before the show test out to see how mothership was going to do. Um, when we played through a little bit of the, uh, the haunting of Ypsilon 14, um, mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I'm glad. I'm glad how much of that sort of carried forward into the show even though it absolutely was not at all the same. Right. Well, I mean, like, uh, for, for a little bit of background, when I was first considering running this uh, this game system for a season, we did a little experimental one-shot on the Derailed Discord. And uh, Adam and Andy were both involved in that. And, uh, and actually, uh, Adam, you literally played Jack in that. I did. And, well, Andy, you didn't play B. You played a character that was very much the same vibe. Yeah, I, my biggest problem with trying to, I wanted to reprise my character, but I couldn't remember her goddamn fucking name. So I was just like, <laughs> all right, well, these were the general vibes. Let's just start uh -huh. here. Right. And that was, uh, that was just for the sake of learning the system for everybody. Uh, that was just the, the published adventure. Um, uh, yeah. Ypsilon 14. Um, which was fun, but also very basic. Uh, but 
a lot of the the stuff from that was very useful for me taking and going nuts with my <laughs> own adventure and story ideas. Um, um, but the whole uh, the whole palace incident was sort of came about by like sort of incorporating the idea that like maybe the Ypsilon 14 adventure was like a prequel to this. So we had to make some changes obviously for the sake of the story um, and the, the setting that I had created, but um, for this, but uh palace incident is basically supposed to be a stand in for the events of what happened that first uh, adventure that we did like two years ago now. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. But it hasn't been that long. Yeah, like a year and a half. No. Yeah, you yeah. know, not too long. No, I mean, um, I know we started recording in January. Time has faked. It was spring 2022. Ugh. Wow. Time isn't real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time is fake. Time is a concept that we have created. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I know since we're still talking about, like, the general vibes of the show and whatnot, I'll go ahead and add my, like, legitimate, like, two cents worth here. Um... After taking my licks in the beginning, um, I'm really, I am really like as as much as fun as it was to kind of do what Nick and I did. I do regret not playing with you all, and I really wish I would have been able to kind of go on the journey with you all, um, even in the beginning, whenever we were doing the like flashbacks and whatnot. In the back of my mind, I was really sad because I was like, I can't, I'm not actually going to be on this journey with them. But with that said, um. I think that this this has been a fantastic experience in terms of like the show and whatnot. I thought it was probably one of the best fables around the table that um, Project Derailed has done, um, and I really love what everyone put into it. So I just my hats off to you all from the actual show itself, from what I was able to listen to once I was you know dead. Right. <laughs> right. Well, oh, thank thank you. you. No, it was very much an experiment. Um, I think I've said before, it was kind of like trying to see how cinematic in presentation can I push an actual play? Um, the idea of like taking an actual play, us actually playing the game, um, taking those recordings and dressing them up and, uh, editing things, not necessarily in the order we recorded them and, uh, kind of just pushing that cinematic vibe was very much an experiment and I'm very pleased with how it came out. And, uh, it's it's in no small part because of your guys' performances. So, thank you. Oh, shucks. <laughs> also, very talented improv actors. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I guess on that note, you know, this was my first experience on a podcast. And I was horribly, horribly scared. I mean, I was scared of the horror, too. But I was more scared <laughs> of being on a podcast. And it was a really remarkable, great first experience. Um... I think that everyone did an excellent job. Everyone was welcoming. I think that all of the characters were in some way relatable and lovable. I think that Nick did a great job with the story. Like, I I don't know. Like, I think I'm spoiled now, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to, like, move on to the rest of my podcasting career. Move on from Derailed immediately. Sorry, Nick. And yeah. <laughs> You're quitting I'm quitting already. One show and I'm done. That's my policy. One and done. One and done. That's what I always say. I said that once. And um, <laughs> oh. and uh, I'm going to move on and everything else is going to suck in comparison. 
because I think that this was a great project. I enjoy listening to Continuum when I'm like sitting at work doing like testing or something that's mostly hands and not much brain. I enjoy sitting there re-listening to Continuum, not because I like hearing the sound of my own voice, quite the opposite. I just really enjoy the story and the characters and everything about it. I like the sound of my voice. I think I, I sound great. You do. You do Thank sound you. great. You have a wonderful it's like voice. And it's also I, funny when I have the same reactions when I'm listening when I was recording. Oh, like, my God. I literally have the same laugh at the same time. That's so funny. <laughs> there was one time. I, uh, oh, are we, oh gonna, God, are we about to tell the same story? Maybe. <laughs> you tell your story, and then I'll tell my story. There was one time um, Nick was visiting me, but there was a continuum episode that was supposed to come out soon. And... He was set up in the same room as me. Like, I was just sitting on my desktop playing goddamn some stupid simulator game. And he was editing. And I would say something in response to hearing his recording and what he was working on. And then I would say the exact same fucking thing on the track. Uh Uh-huh. That happens with me when I'm editing. Because I'll be editing, whether it's Voidfair or this, and you guys will be doing something on the recording, and I'll have a really good idea for a cool way to respond. And I'm like, man, I wish I would have thought of that in the episode. Only for 10 seconds later, I do the exact thing in the, in the episode, and I just forgot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just like reaffirming that my brain still works the same way days <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah. Those same synapses are firing. Yeah. Now I will I will share here. This is a great place to share this. Uh the I did have one idea while editing that I wish I would have thought of in the moment. Um, and that is when at the end, when Jack saves Seabold and Delphine, I had the idea while editing, and I wish I would have thought of it, that to describe a folded piece of paper with a hole punched through it, <laughs> fluttering to the ground from Seabolt's pocket to call back to that. I'm like, fuck, I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> oh, that would have been good. That would have been really good, yeah. 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 <laughs> but we live and we learn. <laughs> and that's in the remake. The remake, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when yeah. we reboot it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't but, wait uh... for that in three years. In three it's years, a bunch yeah. of, It's a bunch of SNL comedians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, cast yourself. No. Uh, <laughs> Keenan, because I can't think of any other SNL cast members. I don't know any of their names. Yeah, that's valid. I don't know modern SNL anymore. <laughs> but neither I'll do be- I, honestly. I can't think of his, uh, his name, but it's the dude from, like, Is It Cake? I feel like I'd be like that, like that guy. Uh, in the show, but yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think he's still on SNL anymore. He's not, he's not on SNL anymore. No, is that Mikey Day? Oh, Mikey, yeah, Day. Mikey yeah. Day. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's him. Mm-hmm. I could see him as Cameron. <laughs> yeah, I could see Mikey Day being Cameron. I think that would work. Just um, give him a ginger fop, and he's set. Yeah. Wait, am I casting <laughs> myself or am I casting B? You're casting B. Oh. I mean, that doesn't help me. I just was confused about the prompt. <laughs> that doesn't help, but thank you for the clarification. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we have... Well, does anybody have any more thoughts about the everything overall, or do you want to jump into questions? 
I've never had a just, thought in my entire life. Me neither. Well, just like I in general, so. I think uh, I, I would say like this show just like continued to find ways to surprise me, which I think was just really uh, nice. I think like just in general with actual actual plays, I'm usually surprised by what choices people make, but I think in particular um, with this show, I think I was like I was surprised by even what I chose to do um with Seabold over the course of the season yeah so I'm just like I I don't know I I think that this this season and I I don't know part of it might just be that boy we have been recording this season I feel like for the better part of the year um so I was like oh man it's been a long one for a a fable season yeah Um, actually legit I, I think it has been a year I'm pretty sure we started in January we sure did yeah I've been through three jobs since then <laughs> yeah i've been through two yeah so i'm like i think it's just like it's been interesting like kind of uh, some of that's like completely unintentional but uh, you know just like interesting to kind of mm-hmm. live with this set of characters for that long and just mm-hmm. still feeling kind of intrigued and interested and surprised and what's happening and so i don't yeah. know i think that that's just something that feels a bit unique mm-hmm I think that's like one of the one of the, like the the beautiful things about actual play, like RPG story, like uh, improvised storytelling in general. Honestly, um, especially on this scale, telling a narrative that is so involved with interesting, rich characters, because um, that's that's something. And this this is probably a good opportunity to talk a little bit about our uh, the process that we went through before we even started playing, because. The character creation process, um, I challenge you guys to come up with individual fears, and I also challenge you guys to, and we, we met before we even recorded the uh, Session Zero or the flashbacks, to hash out relationships between every member of the crew. You guys are living in a tin can together for years, and you're going to have thoughts and, opi- uh, thoughts and opinions and feelings about each other, and I really wanted to drive that home. So I made sure to to put a bunch of effort into the setup at the beginning to give you guys as much to work with and encourage you guys to flesh out your characters in such a way that would be interesting when we got to play. Because I knew once we th- I threw you guys into the scenario, it was going to be reactionary and you trying to solve the problem and figure out what's going on and avoid the monster and get killed a bunch of times. And the actual role play part of it was kind of had to be on you guys to role play with each other while dealing with all of these horrible things. So we spent a ton of time fleshing that stuff out and doing all the homework in advance so that that stuff could be as good as it could be. Um, And I couldn't be more happy with how it all came out. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And even then I think it was just, it was, it was really nice like having that basis to start with. I don't know. I feel like, the thing that I um, I like to do with any like podcasts now that we kind of do with these is that I like I just need to have like an idea as to where my character is going generally. Like I'm still gonna be surprised, but like I just need a general like roadmap and like also just somewhat knowing like what kind of beats I want to hit. Um, yeah. You know, and of course those beats can change, you know, Uh, like I think I found like, I don't think I really had any kind of initial plan of what I wanted to do with Seabold's connection to B, 
I was like, that's just going to be B and Cameron. And it's just going to be that. And then you said, fuck that. And then I'm like, well, that changes that, <laughs> um, you know? And then I think it was like, it was just very interesting uh, having that with Caitlin's character too, because um, I had a not so subtle uh, or Siebold rather had a not so subtle crush on her character. Um, and, you know, just having that like kind of just, naturally kind of develop as the season changed and again not all of that was intentional but um yeah just i think just really interesting kind of okay well now how does seabold react to this <laughs> you know um and i think that's just been fun uh you know being on the playing side of it but also listening back to it mm -hmm. i i gotta say like my approach is kind of opposite yours where it's like i like to know where i stand and where like like what my character's like history like what those history beats are but as far as like where my character is going i like to see where the story takes me and how the story impacts me and seeing how those moments in a story change or affect my my character's outlook and how they're gonna what they're gonna do next like i i never knew what was gonna come for B on the next episode. And that was really exciting. Other than knowing she was going to die. But that was just like, how else were they going to fucking get out of it? Um, but I wanted to comment just based on what you said. Like, I really loved the sibling energy that ended up coming out of B and Seabold. Um, that made me really happy. It was really unexpected for me. And I loved it to death. Um, that was Mm -hmm. That was one of my 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 top rated things out of this season was just that that big sister little brother energy there. Yeah, it was so cool seeing the change in dynamic too between Seabold and B between the first episode and the last episode. Mm -hmm. So, well, uh, why don't we hop into some questions? Um, so I have a handful of questions for each of you that I thought up. Um, we have a handful of uh, listener submitted questions and then um, I'll open it up. So if you guys have any questions for me or each other, we can get into those as well. Let's um, do it. So uh, first things first. Uh, order question. Uh, so this is a question from uh, the uh, Discord user Chillmaster Nort. Uh, Nort asks... Uh, what's everyone's favorite sci-fi horror or just sci-fi movie? Uh, mine's an easy one. It's Alien. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have uh, thought? Right. <laughs> now, and, and on that note, I know Tanner's answer as well. So I'll, yeah. I'll throw to him and then we'll get to everybody else. Good, gives me <laughs> well, time to mine think. is Aliens, the better <laughs> of the two. <laughs> Agree to disagree. It's yeah, also uh... a great movie. It's a completely different genre. Yeah, the action yeah. thriller. It's an action but, uh, thriller. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, my I, I actually have like it's kind of a toss up, but Aliens usually wins out. It's Aliens and John Carpenter's The Thing, um, both of which I absolutely adore, and it was one of the main reasons why Nick also approached me for the show in any capacity, um, either as the role that I played or even as a cast member, is because of how much I love like the genre of sci-fi, especially '80s sci-fi. So yeah, Aliens and The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing specifically. Were my two. The thing was solid. 
Uh, we watched the thing as a cast, actually, right right before starting when we were. No, it wasn't before together. starting. It was after episode three. I remember specifically. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Ob- objectively yeah, speaking, the thing entity was not solid. It was exceptionally fluid. <laughs> <laughs> Tanner, get the fuck out. But do <laughs> don't make me kill you again. Can we recast? Aww. Can we recast? Him? <laughs> um. Yeah. I think my answer legitimately might also be John Carpenter's The Thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, which I did not see until we watched it. And then I I'm like, neither, yeah, this actually. movie's a fucking banger. I see yeah. why this is many people's favorite movie. Uh, I'm like, uh-huh. this is a banger ass movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a masterpiece. Sorry. Uh, I'm going to go for the weeaboo answer. Um, have any of you seen Appleseed? No. Nope. Um, it's ringing bells. Could you give me the description of it? Silver yeah. bells? No. Yeah. <laughs> it is Got Christmas me. time, I suppose. <laughs> um, but no, Appleseed, uh, much like Ghost in the Shell, insofar as like it was one that was sort of like revisited a couple of times as movies or OVA series or whatever. Um, it's a... Uh, post post apocalypse i guess it, i mean it is one where like humanity has gotten to a point where we are in like the weird cyberpunk dystopian future um if i remember right it's also masamune shiro who also did ghost in the shell so like it's similar vibes um but it's just lots of like exploring what is humanity um especially when one of the characters is in a sweet robot body hmm. um you know, a, okay. a human consciousness that has been put into a sweet robot body thanks to, uh, you know, tragedies in war kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Just, I mean, all, all that kind of stuff, just exploring sort of transhumanism and, and things like that, yeah. uh, which has nothing to do with our thing that we did with the exception of the uh, the synth characters who showed up, yes. I suppose. But Yeah, the synths were definitely like a nod to that genre of sci-fi. Although, technically robot mind in cloned human body <laughs> yeah so sort of the opposite the inverse <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah um i do remember it now now that you described it and especially putting the ghost in the shell and it's one of those things i have not seen it's been on my to watch list now for several years so mm. thanks for reminding me to, to do that you're welcome yeah. um i mean yeah like i say it's been revisited a couple of times so like there are a couple of different series or whichever but um I don't know, they're all good. It's like Ghost in the Shell. It's it's all good. Gotcha. Okay. I've been trying to sit here and think the whole time. And I want to make a formal request. Okay. Can I oh. talk about sci-fi books instead? Yeah. Okay. Because sure. my sci-fi movie answer is not a good movie. It just impacted me a lot. And that's how I rate movies, apparently. <laughs> I think valid. that's 100% that's, that's valid. valid. Yeah, that's yeah. valid. Yeah. Right. Well, what was the movie? The movie was Looper. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, yeah. Looper is a banger. No, yeah. I, I disagree. That's a good movie. I did yeah, think, I like, Looper. looking back, I was like, okay, I, I see, like, where this could have been better. But Looper mm-hmm. really impacted me in a really heavy way. Just, like, I've always, mm-hmm. I, you know... I I have a thing about time travel, not necessarily in the sense that we did it, but like that his future self and his 
present self were like sort of battling against each other and and uh and you could see the impact from one to the other or however i can't i can't quite remember it's been quite a few years but um looper would probably be my top like sci-fi like hard sci-fi movie um Mm -hmm. books uh i have two one was mentioned in the podcast i cannot recommend enough and i'm blanking on the name holy shit all systems red um Mm -hmm. all systems red is a phenomenal book it's a quick read i listened to it on audiobook and it was only like four hours and it's so good and it has to do with uh transhumanism and and um just it's just so good please read it please please read it listen to it something the other one is sitting on Nick's goddamn bookshelf right now, and it's called Brilliance. Brilliance mm. is not space. It is sort of like dystopian future sci-fi. Um, and its premise is basically that uh, savants, if you will, are born into society starting in the 80s, and they're born at an alarming rate where it kind of builds a different kind of subsect of society. And the norms as they're called the people who are not brilliant feel completely obsolete and it's about that conflict between the two groups of people and it's it's so good i love this series of books um there's there's three books in the series it's by marcus sakey um very big fan nice oh i also really like sunshine i like sunshine a lot i've been meaning to check out sunshine it's a good movie. You should watch it. Yeah, it it sounds right up my alley. Yeah, it's really um, good. So, uh, everybody answer. I lost track. Yes, yes. I was the last one. Yeah. I was purposely waiting to till the end because yeah. I was sitting there panicking about my answer. <laughs> Saving the yeah. best for last, really. No. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I uh, I will follow up uh, everybody's answers because uh, I think this is a good segue uh, into some of my inspirations for the uh the the whole series uh which i know i've um i've been asked about uh elsewhere but uh alien obviously the big one uh and this is also going to touch on some of the other sci-fi stuff that i enjoy in general um alien alien just in the the pinnacle of the genre i'm shooting for here uh so like as far as that goes uh that's where the inspiration came from technology wise i was pulling a lot of inspiration from the expanse and things like 2001's a space odyssey and interstellar very hard sci-fi um i wanted to depict uh travel and life in space sort of as realistically as i could um at least on a superficial level on a on a way (laughs) a, a good enough level that it feels that way uh to you guys and the listener um, nobody go science check me. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So like ideas with, uh, you know, how black holes work and stuff like that. Um, the specific science, I pulled a lot of information from, um, a lot of prominent science YouTube channels like, uh, Kurgazat and Kyle Hill and PBS space time. Um, uh, basically all the information that I was pulling inspiration from regarding, uh, black holes and how, uh, close time, like curves can work and, and stuff like that comes from like, just loving the fuck out of those science videos. Um, science is cool. Our universe is amazing. (laughs) Um, so, uh, all systems red was a book that I read, uh, which was hilarious that, uh, Andy brought it up in character. I had just finished Uh, it when I brought it up in character. Yeah. 
Uh, I totally, I, I found All Systems Red on a whim like a year ago, and I and I read it. So, um, and that actually one of the things I was going to pull from that was originally I don't I haven't shared any this I think I might have told Andy this, but Probably. originally before Tanner had to bow out for scheduling reasons, originally I was going to reveal that Tanner's character, whatever it would have ended up being was going to be a synth without them realizing it. Ooh. Tanner was the fun. only one I was going to do that to though. <laughs> <laughs> so, when uh so when the plans changed and Tanner had to bow out and then the conspiracy to kill Tanner's character off in episode 1 arose, I pushed that away because there it, was, it would have been too much. Too many too many twists. <laughs> um but the synth storyline got uh, repurposed a little bit because the spies from ether ended up being synths. So I still got to play with the idea of that technology, you know, the AI piloting cloned bodies um, and uh, the, what it means to, you know, an AI becoming sentient over time. So it didn't end up being a major theme like it was originally going to be. Um, but I got a little nod to that in. Um, there was another book I read that I pulled inspiration from, and I forget the title of it. Let me, uh, let me look at my audible real fast. Um, uh, not only was it sci-fi horror, but it was also anti-capitalist. Uh, like every good sci-fi horror should be. Of <laughs> Capitalism was yeah. the bad guy the whole time. Capitalism was the bad guy the whole time. I have a shirt that says that. I was delighted that you wore mm. that to PAX. Uh-huh. Me too. Yeah. Okay. So it was a book called Dead Silence by S.A. Barnes. Um, super cool. Um, about a salvage crew uh, who stumbles across the, the missing luxury space liner that went missing 20 years ago. Um, and spooky shenanigans ensue. So, uh, yeah. And then um, there's a uh, another book series that I don't truly recommend, but it was a source of inspiration. And uh, it was uh, the Timeless Artifact series. Uh, by uh, Brandon Q. Morris. Not the best books. I would not recommend. However, they, they are hard sci-fi, and they did play with some very cool time-related time uh, uh, theoretical physics concepts that I, that I borrowed for how the extra-dimensional alien artifacts work. Um, so the whole thing with, like, the higher-dimensional manifolds and all that stuff and the alien spacecraft um, was all sort of pulled from that. Uh, which I thought was cool. I wanted the aliens technology to feel well and truly alien. Uh, so yeah, those are, those, those are the, the, the biggest inspirations that I pulled. Um, I did go on a, uh, a tirade of consuming media specifically to, to prep for this. Um, I watched a lot of time loop movies, um, that I didn't really pull inspiration from other than just the concept of a time loop. Uh, on that note, Happy Death Day is, is a delight, and I recommend it to anyone who wants a campy uh, time loop horror movie. <laughs> it's a banger, yeah. It's, and the sequel's a, not bad either. I gotta watch That's the solid. sequel. I didn't yeah, watch it's, the sequel it's, yet. it's not bad. I mean, you know. Um, on the opposite end, uh, Ark, spelled A-R-Q, on Netflix is a time loop movie that I don't recommend. No. <laughs> no. It was bad. Fair. <laughs> Oh. Um, I don't know. So, I don't yeah. know why, but you talking about like the stuff that you ingested in preparation reminds me of a book that I a third ingested in preparation for this. <laughs> I never finished it. 
it's still sitting in one of like my travel bags because I keep taking it on trips being like, I'm going to finish this book. And then I don't finish the book. Um, I get distracted by Stardew Valley or some bullshit. Um, but, uh, it was called, uh, to sleep in a sea of stars. And it's by the same guy that did Aragon. Um, Oh, yeah. And it actually, like, from what I, from the parts that I read was really good. I thought it started out very horror-y, but then it kind of turned into, like, space adventure saga, which was pretty exciting. Um, and it's, it's, it's a thicken, it's a biggin. Um, big surprise coming from the guy that wrote Aragon, but, um, <laughs> his name escapes me right now, but. I'm a Brandon Paulini. Sanderson fan. I will eat that shit up in a minute. Um, but it's it's it was very good. I remember I bought the book at an airport in December when we were preparing to start recording like soon. And it really like kind of helped get my like my head in the zone for for like space horror bullshit. Because, I mean, there's some shit that happens right at the beginning of that book that I was like, oh my fucking god. And it, it did the job. Nice. No spoilers, though. Yeah. No, it sounds like one I'll like. I'll have to look in. You can't borrow mine because it's horribly damaged and I'm embarrassed. Okay, I, I won't. I can't listen to it anyway. Fair. <laughs> yeah. I use my eyeballs. Uh-huh. That's hard. Yeah. I read with my ears. My ear. I'm deaf in one ear. Surprise! <laughs> wait, 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 wait. The deep Nick lore. Wait. Yeah, the deep Nick Nick, are you lore. telling me you're deaf uh, in one ear and you never told me? <laughs> you know yeah, that. I do know that. That's why I stand uh, on everyone's left side now. Literally, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter who they are. I move to their here. left side because I'm so practiced at it at this point. Uh-huh. You've been classically conditioned. Uh. <laughs> So. I just yell. <laughs> just anytime, anytime I'm around Nick, just like, hey, Nick. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> that works, too. Anyway, um, let's hop on to the next question. Um, Let's see. I, I know. Here, let's do one of mine. I have a question for Adam. For me? Yeah. How much consideration um, did Jack give to resetting the loop to save B? Um, was it because B told him to do exactly that, or were there other considerations at play on that decision? When you say that, as in to not reset it? To not reset it, yeah. Uh, I hmm, I'm trying to think of in the exact moment. Like, I know... Jack Jack was going to listen to B in that, like, pretty much no matter what. Like, I, I will say I had no idea what Andy had planned. Um, so there was there was no, like, meta level, like, oh, I want to let Andy have her heroic mm -mm. death. Like, No, we did not discuss it. It was very much a, yeah, I mean, it was very much a, like, okay, well, now's the time to go. And uh, I don't know if we're going to get another shot at this. And, uh, you know, it turns out Jack's a coward. Like, Jack's a real, real coward. Um, and so I think when he was given permission to fuck off, he's like, Ted, you don't have to tell me twice. Um, 
I think maybe if there had been a shot that things had looked better, like we would have been able to reset things again, maybe he would have done it. But uh, thing such as they were, things were at the point where he's like, well, now's the time to go. And kind of like Nick pointed out, like, B told Jack to do exactly that. Jack had an opportunity, maybe not necessarily exactly that, because B was more so thinking like the whole crew excluding her. But, and that was kind of how she phrased it. But it was like, if you can get out, get out, leave me behind. Like that was what, episode two or three? Something like that. Yeah, real early. Real early. Yeah, and, and it's not like I had this in mind or anything. It was just I knew that was B's mentality because I, I, I figured out the way she thinks pretty early on. She thinks pretty early on. Yeah. B, what would you have done? What would B have done uh, if Jack had reset the loop and she found out? You think it was bad when she was mad at him about, you know, taking his own life in space? <laughs> like, think about that times like 50 um no she would have been very very sore at jack um if i will say if everyone had been able to get out alive it would kind of part of it would have been no harm no foul but if they had lost someone else like say like seabold had gone down and then but b had survived and then they decided not to reset the loop she would never forgive jack at all I uh, I really like that this that this uh, quandary arose because it was always sort of a plan by the nature of the time loop mechanic. There was there's always an option that this happens where you find the keys out, but not everybody survived. And I'm really great. I'm really glad that it just so happened that we got to see both cases play out because that happened with Siebold and Siebold decided to stay. Now, follow up question for Siebold. Mm-hmm. Did Seabold consider taking the taking the exit and surviving solo? Like how close uh, was he to doing that? I would say like really like not close at all. Like I don't even think that was like really considered because I think like I think Seabold at that point was like we're just kind of stronger in numbers here. Um like number 1 primarily. Um and I think also probably just not having like full confidence in himself to just do that solo. Um, but I think he also just, uh, I think is a little bit upset that he couldn't do more. So it's like, let's just do it again. Yeah. Uh, the you know, I'm just like, yeah, like I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, fix the thing. So. I guess we'll try again. You did so much. You killed the embodiment of capital. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but at what cost? Um, You're at what I, cost? It, what was that, Andy? If I may make an observation, mm-hmm. um, there, I was very surprised when Siebold made the decision to reset the loop. But looking back, I'm not. Because in a sense, Siebold seems a little lost without the others, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was intentional or not. And it, again, this is just a, a an outsider looking in. Like Siebold seems uh, uh, just kind of like he needs the others. Yeah. Um. This is another interesting observation that I just made. 
was it's I think it's pretty safe to say that Seabold went through the biggest transformation from start start of the story to the end of the story. And in contrast, I would say and, and Adam, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I would say that Jack, while did unequivocally change, probably not nearly as much. Um, and uh, in in the grand scheme of things, it kind of shows that like it's funny that Seabold went from sort of being a capitalist himself to being staunchly anti-capitalist working with Seizbeck the sky in the end. Whereas Jack is sort of apathetic to the whole system. Didn't change that much and remains apathetic for the most part, even after the events. I don't know if I would say that Jack is apathetic. What I would say is that, uh, he was afraid to take a stand. Yeah. Um, which perhaps manifests in the same way. I guess if we get to the same destination, it doesn't matter what the road was. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that that is a fun and interesting point. Yeah. At, at any case, he was sort of resigned to the status quo. Whatever it's the true. reason. Yeah. I think for a brief little point there, Jack thought that he could be something different. And then when he had the chance to do it, he tripped right at the finish line. Mm-hmm. Especially because, like, yeah. I will say, like... Uh, for example, when Jack and B walked into module two, that was the admin habitation module. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Jack was the one that was saying like, well, you know, this is good to know. And this information is good to know. And this is good to see for when we blow the lid off these motherfuckers. And then when it came time to do that, Jack didn't really do it. Yeah, or he was at least less involved. Uh, yeah. Seabold in particular took a very uh, front role <laughs> in that, and I think Jack preferred to stay in the shadows is my interpretation of it. Yeah, I think, I, like, I don't know if Seabold would have had the same ending if Jack didn't make the choices he did. I think, like, I, I think, like, seeing jack see the problem and kind of cower away from it kind of like i think just lit a fire under seabold to be like fuck that i don't want to do that because i think that in many ways that like as much as seabold was like giving jack shit i think seabold did just like want to fall in line with jack most of the time at the beginning um of just being like because that's what i'm supposed to do that's my job um you know and i think that just it's really like a, a over the whole season i think more than anything i think seabold is just learning a lot of very hard lessons um and i think that those hard lessons you know kind of direct some of that anger towards other people in the crew but you know mostly towards the people you know at the top yeah makes that makes sense um Another observation, and this uh, this this is a little headcanon of mine um, based on the conversation oh, we no. were just Here having. comes B-Bold again. Uh, <laughs> no. No. Uh, like, uh, Jack, or uh, Adam, what you were saying regarding Jack, uh, in that, like, maybe he did have a- aspirations to be different or to, to challenge the, the current establishment as it was at some point in his life. But as we established, Jack is a coward. You know what I mean? And it takes courage to stand up against oppressive sister. Yeah. I was not surprised in the least by Jack's decisions. 
I will say that um, unlike you, Andy, who it sounds like you had a very strong sense of your character and like how you wanted B to end up right from the beginning, I I didn't for Jack. Like, aside from making sure that he was the pastiche of every Kurt Russell action hero <laughs> character, um, like that was my goal. I was like, I'm I'm gonna play Kurt Russell and I'm gonna explore the things I hate about masculinity and it's gonna be in space. And that was that was what I had. And for for a little while there, like I think I think that if Jack had had a chance to make it out with everyone, um that probably he would have been a little bit more heroic. He would have had the power of friendship behind him and yeah. like things could have happened. But I will tell you the exact moment where I was demoralized and I think that bled directly into Jack. Um, and that was when I realized that we weren't going to be able to undo the, um, the AI on the ship and more, but both meta and in the game, um, I know that was my fault because Nick went out of the way to include the whole bit about the the AI being a dupe um, because I went out of the way to make a backup of Ava's uh, AI right in one of the flashbacks. And, and so when I realized that we weren't going to be able to undo it or if we were going to undo it, it was going to take such a high level of precision to go through and like figure out if we had to to kill what's his face and then undo it from his hand terminal and mm. then like there was just so many levels and I, I could feel both me and Jack staring into infinity and being like no no this is it we just we're gonna take the exit we can take and we're yeah. gonna get the fuck out of here now, um, I will peel back the curtain a little bit on on that specific uh, detail, and uh, the 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 fact of Ava being um, a duplicate uh, uh, Isaac in disguise was inspired by the fact that Jack had thought to make a backup of Ava, um, and uh, I had every intention of that becoming important. But in my mind, so here's here's the big thing. I had in my mind envisioned when you guys escaped, it would be in your ship. Um, the And then just the natural way the story played out, that didn't happen. So that was the biggest curveball for what I envisioned the ending and epilogue of the story to be. Um, and the back, the Ava backup, I sort of thought would be like an epilogue thing. Like you can restore Ava once you escape. Um, and if like, and I, I was trying to rack my brain to make it work somehow, but asking Isaac to replace himself with a backup wasn't going to work. He's smarter than that. Oh, for sure. And, uh, and in the time frame you had, you did not have the time to properly do that backup and it would reset on the next loop anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, uh, I, I would have loved for that backup to be, to come back and be important, but just in the nature and in the moment, um, I can't logically make it work. I will say, but, I, I forget what movie it is, but it's one that I've seen in the last like year or two, which 
involved, you know, people getting on the alien shuttle and uh, getting out and and doing something. And of course, that's very vague. And <laughs> probably after this, I'll end up looking it up and figuring out what the hell it is I'm talking about. But Independence Day for one. <laughs> oh, that's the one. No, no, no. It's yeah. a recent movie. Yeah. Um, oh, uh... I I don't know. And we'll be here forever if we try and think about Prometheus? it. But uh no 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 more modern day hmm. um i i keep wanting to say don't look up but that's not it because that that's about a meteor uh um, yeah. but i watched it the same day and therefore that's I on my short list that movie's also terrible did you say it was terrible roger yeah i fucking hate that movie <laughs> um yeah don't look up was horrific but if you yeah. like it i like that for you I, I don't know, it made me feel bad, but maybe I'll take it off my short know. list. Jesus, um, I haven't seen it. I heard it's very preachy. It is. It is pretty preachy. Um, but also, so is this podcast. So yeah, you sure are. <laughs> Thanks, Tanner. Thanks, uh, Tanner. You're welcome. <laughs> I will say, Nick, I, I think you made the correct choice not letting me make uh, certain decisions and uh, having having certain decisions be undone. Uh, because Jack would have absolutely uh, just killed everyone. Like, in that last bit, the the whole, like, going to the alien ship with the doctor to get out, that was it. Like, he'd given up. He was like, how do I get out? Uh, oh, yeah, there's an alien hot rod. Cool. Well, I'll take that and then fuck off. And then uh, we had talked about epilogues, and I accidentally wanted to recreate the Godfather 3 ending, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. If you've seen Godfather Three, you know, you know what I'm talking about. But um, anyway, it's a good thing that you didn't let me do that uh, because, in retrospect, I felt really bad for just fucking murdering everyone. Um, I don't think Jack would have felt bad, but me as a human person, uh-huh. uh, it did sort of feel like. Hey, wasn't it great to go play with all these new friends that I made and then just fucking middle fingers both, uh, <laughs> like just both of them raised high in the air in the last episode. Goodbye, everyone. Right. Like, that was kind of like my next question was like, how would Jack's, how would Jack feel? How was Jack's conscience feeling, you know, about leaving everyone? Behind? Oh, bad. Real bad. <laughs> I mean, I, I tried to. I tried to say it, and of course I was doing it right in the moment, but that whole, like, him flashing back and thinking of times with everyone and being like, well, I always knew I wasn't worth it. It was I might as well prove it. It was very powerful. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm glad it came across, because I felt like I sort of stumbled over my words in that, but... Um, yeah, that's well, what I mean. Like he had the chance to he had the chance to prove himself, and mm-hmm. he proved that he's exactly the same person he always was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was great. Well, and like I think the the hopelessness really like nailed to the core of like the themes we were playing with. Like not only like like the the sheer hostility of space is inherently hopeless, and uh so to <laughs> start struggle against <laughs> capitalism sometimes but uh um but what was great about this moment was everything sucked in the last up until like the the like final uh you know kind of do sex machina of the alien tech <laughs> which i only did because it was it felt so in genre to do um dealing with uh like you put yourself 
in the most magical MacGuffin in the fucking entire hard sci-fi inspired adventure, you should have been able to do some fantastical magical feeling things. Um, so that was entirely the inspiration between that. But leading up to that, Jack was ready to leave everybody. Seabold was ready to throw himself, was literally throwing himself out of an airlock and B was dead. And, and Delphine was being her The, the, pod she was in was being feasted upon by an alien creature like everything sucked here um and everyone had given up like Seabold and jack both had given up in their own ways mm-hmm. you know that does se- segue me nicely into uh the question i had for roger mm-hmm. um Seabold, uh, like we like we talked about before Seabold, like uh kind of displayed the most obvious uh, drastic change in a single character over the course of the story. But despite that, with everything happening at the end of the story, he decided to give up. Mm -hmm. Um, What was sort of your thought process behind that decision? And, um, and did the fact that he was saved last minute after having already made that choice affect what he would go on to do? Yeah. Um, So I think, part of the I think there's a real legitimate like moment where I think Seabold is trying to like test Jack I think it's like a final kind of like okay like are you gonna gonna do this thing with me like let's go save Delphine you know like this feels very obvious that we should do this um and I think to kind of have like, I think his, you just feel like his heart drop into like the pit of his stomach. I think like knowing that the ship has been like disconnected and Jack's just like, okay, peace out. Um, you know, just like, all right, have fun and um, leaves him. And then I think he just like, I think he's upset, but he also just like loses his nerve just enough. And I think as he's, watching you know like the pod get eaten and all of that i think there's like a certain level of it's not like just fear necessarily even though in the moment i described it as him like losing his nerve i mean i think it's like it's more like the idea of when you feel fired up to do something but when you're faced with the reality of making that choice you have to think about it um and just kind of being like do you want to let yourself potentially be like used as a puppet, like consumed in that way? Like, I think there was just like a certain level of just like, I would rather choose to have the agency to do what I want. Um, and at least have some, some kind of choice in that and some, like some, some real agency, I suppose, and kind of um, going out the airlock and then at least getting like to see something cool um where it's like well i'd rather look at the black hole i guess as i as i uh, you know die um i think that 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 really kind of like informed a lot of that choice and then i think yeah 100 percent. if Siebel did not like basically if you if you basically have looked death in the face and then you're like you are saved in that moment i think Uh, Seabold already is like a very confident character in a lot of ways 
like very like self-assured um in his own like intelligence and things i think there's some things that he didn't feel super confident in but in general it's just like all right well now you just like made me invincible um so i I think that that really just kind of like uh it really gave him a a push there to um be like well fuck it everything's made up you know (laughs) it's like i've already basically died so right all right this is a a listener submitted question uh coming from (laughs) inquiring minds Oh, oh inquiring minds want to so know. So I don't know who this actually is, but they're but they're a Project Derailed patron. Hey, if you want to be a Project Derailed patron and get priority questions in episodes like these, you can go to patreon.com slash Project Derailed. Very smooth. Oh, thank you. Uh, so inquiring minds asks to me specifically in all caps, what was in the morgue? No, don't tell them. I don't. <laughs> Let it be a mystery forever. Do not scratch this itch. Uh, there's actually a really interesting answer, though. Ooh. <laughs> For the first two scenes of every loop, the most obvious thing that was in, in the morgue was Siobhan DeLang, the first synth. Because mm. that's where she was hastily bandaging her gut wound with a first aid kit down there. Um, that's how you missed her actually on the first few loops. Okay. She had a gut wound? Yeah. I forgot to describe it in subsequent meetings, but the first time you met her, I described it. That was me. I'm trying Um, to remember. Yeah, she had a gut wound. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what I did yesterday, so I don't know. At least it's recorded. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Um, so she, she spends the first two scenes there bandaging her gut wound and then moves to through module six on the third scene and into the ship uh, for the rest of the loop um, there. The other things were uh, two uh, crew member bodies that were killed by the creature um, during uh, the initial monster attacks. Yeah. So you could have learned things about how the monster kills people by examining the bodies in the morgue, um, but you learned a lot about the monster firsthand. So Yeah, we I think we learned how the monster kills people. Um I, I think once or twice I think we, we learned out. a few yeah. times firsthand. Very intimately, yeah. I will say. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Tanner, what are you talking about? You weren't there. <laughs> I was uh, I was an enjoyable listener. Tanner was killed by the biggest monster of all. Gavin Price. <laughs> Capitalism. Yep. Capitalism. <laughs> Um, I was going to say, like, do you have, like, syphilis or something? or <laughs> Gonorrhea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so that was what was in the morgue. I hope the inquiring minds are satisfied. So, like, if we had gone in the morgue and the monster had followed us, how bad would it have been? Well, the monster could have puppeted the dead bodies that were there. Um, so but... bad. So bad. Yeah, that but makes not, sense. Not, yeah, not any, not, not not that much worse than anywhere else because there were sort of dead bodies everywhere. Yeah, like it's not like it's gonna duplicate. Our fears were founded. Yes. Oh yeah. You know, Roger, you saying that gives me a question for Nick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laid on me. Was were there any special powers of the monster that we didn't get to see that you had planned? Um, not for the most part. It was conveyed pretty. Uh, 
pretty fully in its entirety. There's there were some things like the way it moves that I glossed over a lot. Um, but we got to see demonstrations of it sort of doing everything it can do. Um, yeah. Uh, the, 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 the biggest thing is like it powers up when it's controlling a sin. Um, the thing, um, the, that I don't know how clear it ended up being in the final version, but what the thing that actually makes, uh, controlling the synth extra powerful is, uh, the synth actually allows it to interface better with technological sources of energy because the, the the creature is a biological creature that it was evolved to feed off of biological electricity it can feed off of technological electricity um but it's not as efficient at it however using a synth body as an intermediary it allows it to more fully pull power from the station and from the technology around it making it extra super powered. Plus the synth bodies are also engineered to be stronger and more durable than a normal human. But that is also part of the reason why it's a little extra dangerous around on B. Um, and it did, uh, was attracted to B more because uh, it had B gives off more electromagnetic magnetism uh, or electromagnetic field from her cybernetics. Uh, and also B right. sort of B I also sort right. of, <laughs> placed herself in front uh in the front anyway i was uh, correct that was that yes. was your choice by the way that was what i was going to ask literally 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 i was going to say was i right because nick knew exactly what that question meant was mm. i right was what i freaked out on him about like two months ago because I figured it out that B was at much more risk from the monster than the others because of her cybernetics. And that's why oftentimes the monster went for her first, not just because I put B in front most of the times because that was her role. That was what she would do anyway, whether she had cybernetics or not. But um, I was like, it's feeding off of her. It's, it's after her cybernetics. And Nick did hit cryptic, like, oh, you have to see. Oh, I don't know. Like, oh, I guess you should ask me later. Uh, no. Yeah, I was no, right. Totally right. Totally right. Bitch ass. <laughs> no, I know you've been waiting for that. Vindicator. He is a bitch ass. Mm -hmm. It's true. Can't confirm. Man, I yeah. should have killed all y'all. You did. You, you, you succeeded did. Many, many times. Uh, <laughs> Excuse me. You only got me once. That's true. <laughs> I mean, uh, unless, unless for some reason, in a really fucked up way, Cameron has a glimmer of life every loop, even though he died earlier. I don't know how that would be possible, but you know, or it, maybe. almost as if he had a glimmer of life after the story was over. Oh, you? Yeah. Damn. Mm -hmm. There was that stinger at the very end. It haunts <laughs> true. me. What it a stinger. Me. That stinger haunts me. Mm -hmm. That was fun. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, that does segue me nicely into a question I have for Tanner. Oh, really? Um, so, uh, speaking of the epilogue, um, so, Tanner, you and I worked closely together to devise kind of what we wanted conveyed in Cameron's message to the crew at the end, but you wrote that. 
Um, so all of that pain, you can blame on, <laughs> on Tanner. <laughs> uh, and I will say it was originally seven minutes long, and I cut it down significantly. <laughs> yeah, which was Nick, painful. the capitalist. Yeah, let's get the director's the, cut. The direct the the, the the Tanner cut. Yeah, the uh, Snyder cut. <laughs> unleash the Tanner cut. Uh, <laughs> um, but Tanner, um, do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about your experience on uh, kind of kind of channeling Cameron's kind of thoughts into this final message for his crewmates? Yeah, um, sure. Um, well, okay. Like a lot of this was um, like this was like my only chance to really like be on the show kind of deal. I mean, we had the little bit beforehand, but like I had to like get a whole bunch of the Cameron character out as quickly as I could. And so a lot of that had to go into just doing Which so is many di- seven minutes, by yeah. the way. <laughs> I mean, still seven minutes cut down to what? I think uh-huh. four or five. It, yeah, it was like four and a half. And that's okay. Yeah, that's good. I mean, give like plenty of like context and information. So I was like, okay, I have to get out who Cameron is. I have to get out Cameron's views on the world. And I also have to get out Cameron's relationship to the others, like what Cameron really thinks about them. And so I spent the better part of a day creating that monologue and like putting in a lot of like some of Cameron's thoughts, but also some of my own thoughts to make it as authentic as possible about like capitalism, AI, technology, so on and so forth. Um, blending that in with Cameron's character and especially his feelings of seize back the day. And then trying to make sure that I really brought that back to how Cameron really feels about the characters. Cause this is his only opportunity to tell how he really feels about them. So yeah, a lot of that was just trying to get as much Cameron in there as possible, but also like taking the opportunity that I had. And I mean, I mean, I put a lot of work into the monologue and I know um, Nick and I passed it back and forth, but like that, that was like a, probably one of the more proud moments I've had since I've done anything with Project Derailed is that one monologue. Mm-hmm. It came out. It was so really good. I, I get tears every time I listen to it and I've heard it like a hundred times now. <laughs> Can confirm because I, it was like his, I don't know how many times listening to it whenever we went through the episode together because this one fell asleep during the listening party. Um, yeah, I was, I don't, I don't know what came over me. I just was done. I fell asleep like right after the break. Uh, so we listened to the rest of the episode and, uh, he wanted to see my reactions and uh he was teary. He was teary. But yeah, um that one was the one I think whenever Nick originally came to me saying, Hey, I want you to do a monologue for this like last bit, kind of like Cameron's like, you know, farewell dead man tape type of deal. And the first thing I thought of was like the first words I thought of in my head was like, I am going to have to act the shit out of this. <laughs> um and so, yeah, no, I was fully motivated from the start. I was like, I gotta, like, I got five minutes to touch everybody's heart, and I gotta do it the best way that I can. And you did I, it. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's like, you gotta hit that trope hard. Yeah, like, this was like, this has to be sincere, so I have to put a little bit of myself in there. It has to be the character itself of Cameron, 100%. We got to tie it back to that plot. Like there was a lot of thoughts that went into that monologue. And I mean, that was done. And I think like one take, I think I had one mistake um, that I had to redo. 
but yeah, no, I, I, that's probably one of my more proud moments, um, doing anything with derailed. Yeah, that's all. And it came out so good. Um, it, it, like it, 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 I was really glad that even though you weren't able to, to play, we were still able to work together and, uh, you know, kind of bring this character to life. Um, uh, that does segue me into an, another question I had for you, Tanner. Okay. Um, so Cameron as a character was created in its entirety collaboratively. Um, you hadn't made a character yet when before you had decided to to bow out. Um, so we sort of worked together to make Cameron um, serve the story as best as we can, uh, down to his personality and everything. Um, so that being said, do you have an idea of what you, what your character would have been like had you gotten to fully play? Actually, yes. And, um, I find it funny that you said that I was going to secretly be a synth because this was like, this is like vague notes. So like, I didn't have a full character design yet, but what was really speaking to me whenever I was like, you were kind of given the description was like the scientists with the questionable motives. And the first characters I started to think of was Ash from alien, um, Bishop from aliens and also Blair played by Wilford Brimley from the thing. Um, and so at first there was always the idea of a, a Cameron, because those are basically the two characters in my head was trying to play this kind of like soft, um, you know, well-meaning type of medic type or a questionably dubious kind of scientist type. Someone who is probably might still be well-meaning, but you can't tell there's like this underlying menace to him. Um, so the fact that like, and I had no idea I was going to be a synth. The fact that I was actually reaching for uh, characters that were in their own canon synthetic is pretty interesting on how we were actually on the same page but yeah <laughs> uh -huh. i you just give off that vibe uh no the reason i wanted to do that was because of all the players you were the one i trusted the most to be able to roll with it because i'd already dm'd for you for hours and hours and hours on voidfair so like you were the only player at the table that i was truly truly comfortable with doing something that drastic doing that sort of uh sort of executive retcon to a character without talking to you about it. Um, but it only, it, it's a twist that only would have worked that way. So that's like, that's why like, you know, when, when you couldn't play, I didn't decided not to do that same thing with anybody else. Nothing yeah. against you guys. You guys yeah. are all great. Uh, but it was just a very specific. Yeah, it wasn't me. You fuckers. Uh, -huh. <laughs> yeah. Apparently some people thought I would be a synth. <laughs> oh, do you mind if I mention my my name and like all the work that went into camera whenever it happened? Yeah. Okay. First off, the first thing whenever um, Nick, whenever you said, "All right, Tanner, I want you to like you know play this character, and we're basically going to kill you in the first episode, but we're not going to tell anybody else to get that genuine shock moment." The first thing I said is, "Okay, any ideas that I had needs to go out the window. Take my little soft boy, and I like I need to make this character be." the security blanket be the as Ch chelsea has put it in the past be the glue that holds the sandwich together because mm -hmm. i need this character to be someone that the others can either trust or like or generally confide in to have that immediately ripped away from them um because i thought that that was exceptionally important I, in my mind i thought it was very important to the story that if you're going to have a horror story you need that 
safe element, whatever it is, to be taken from you. And I wanted to make that Cameron character be that. Mm-hmm. Um, on yeah, the more... we were on the same page about that from the beginning, too. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. I think that we worked, we, we worked really well together. Like, Nick and I worked a lot behind the scenes <laughs> on this. Um... Conspiring. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I always liked it. I think, like, any time while this was recording, I'd get a message from Nick, and I was like, ooh, what are we doing this time? <laughs> um, yeah. But the name Cameron Readham was because um, red for, like, red shirt, and Cam is um, sh- was short for me for camisa, which is, like, the Spanish word for shirt. So I literally just tried <laughs> to name him red shirt. <laughs> which, uh, I-, I didn't know that about the, uh, about the the first name Cameron. Um I did pick up on exactly what you were doing with Redham though cuz yeah. you've pulled the shit before. <laughs> uh we we played a hunter game uh, for a stream years and years ago when that was something we were still doing periodically as derailed and uh you you made an NPC that I think his last name was Redman uh that you killed during the session. Yes. <laughs> you have an MO Tanner. <laughs> I listen. I do. Um, We're outing it right now. So if you're running a, good a game calling with Tanner card, okay. and he has a character that has the word "red" somewhere in its name, do not get attached. <laughs> Would you say that you've read him for filth? Oh, <laughs> leave. <laughs> that was pretty I'll good. Say, I'll give you that one. It was pretty good. If you ever play in a Tanner game, it's very shown in anime and a whole bunch of like references so enjoy that good <laughs> sounds yeah. like a good time so um yeah i want to play more right, games so, uh, we still have a couple other questions here um uh let me see we have my notes man this isn't even a full session and i'm still getting lost in my tabs <laughs> there should be like 30 less I hope oh yeah there is but it's still more than you would expect uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, here is a question uh, this is another listener submitted question um, this is from uh, our discord user Sharknado um, and they ask uh, this is a question for me does Alien, Dead Space, and other space horror series exist in this world, or would that be too bleak? Um, no, I would say that they do exist in some form. Um, it's uh, And uh, actually, to that note, um, Adam and I had this discussion over exactly how genre-aware Jack was. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, like, uh, this is far enough in the future that, like, yeah, I don't see any reason why those things wouldn't exist. Um, you know, cause I kind of envision, uh, this future as like a direct result, uh, you know, a direct result of the world we're in now, like a hundred years later, what does that look like? Um, and, uh, so yeah, no, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't exist. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's that question, an easy one. Um, and then, uh, Sharknado asks the follow-up question, uh, do we plan to release, uh, Continuum as an adventure? Cause they would buy that shit immediately. And I'll say, I'm not rolling anything out. I would love to do that. Um, but we'll see if it's possible. <laughs> I have very limited amount of time. Um, so, but we'll see. I won't roll anything out. Anything's possible. <laughs> uh, I will say for anyone who wants to play some mothership adventures, 
with a similar vibe or or to get that um, itch scratched. Uh, pun kind of intended because itch itch.io has a shitload of them. Um, but the the haunting of Ypsilon fourteen, like the thing that we played mm-hmm. uh, before everything, that one again, great. Mm-hmm. Um, I when when Nick had brought up uh, sort of wanting a way to like track time in a show, uh, I had brought up uh, the mole on Pyrad one by uh, Meat Castle Gameware. I want to say Christian Sorrel, um, which again, both of these are like one or two page adventures. A lot of mothership adventures are like pamphlet sized, which is pretty fucking cool. Um, but I would say those. I will also say, uh, you know, we're not sponsored here. None of us is getting money. But uh, at PAX, I picked up a huckload of mothership adventures from uh, Indie Press Revolution. Mm-hmm. And. All of their um, downloadable ones, or I should say a lot of the downloadable ones that I got, also have, like, audio files and maps mm-hmm. and all sorts of other accoutrements and ephemera that are, like, if you want to have an experience like this, but you're not an audio engineer and you don't want to sit there and, you know, record your own stuff and get all of your friends to do bad accents and mm-hmm. uh, make maps and whatever, like, there are things out there for you. Yeah. Uh, Ypsilon 14 had uh, had uh, associated media files as well, recordings and, and that sort of thing. Um, so uh, lots lots of cool lots of cool content out there for you to check out. I thought people did so. good accents. <laughs> oh yeah, no no no. Sorry, the bad accents is because um, Levnel, one of the users on on our Discord, which I hope I pronounced that right, um, he did challenge us to do as many accents as we could, even if they're bad. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make us do that before the end of this. I actually, not. let's, let's jump right to that now no. because, uh, no. Levnell did, did ask the question. No. Who's got the best range of accents no. for the cast. And, uh, and, uh, they want to see some, they want to hear some authenticity. No. Um, well, I know Levnell is from Ireland, so I guess I'll start with an Irish brogue. Uh, it's, uh, not too, Difficult to do. One of the ones I go to pretty regularly. Um, this isn't. This is a pretty understated Irish Irish brogue. Uh, go full for broke. <laughs> go do it. Do it. What was that? Go hard. Go hard. Uh, a hard Irish accent. Well, uh, top of the morning to ya. They're after me lucky charms. <laughs> now, let them, of course, you did ask charms. us. <laughs> you, you let them know you, you asked, asked for, for this. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I have a nice little toolbox now. I can do a Scottish brogue. I favor it for, uh, dwarven characters, the brohane from Tales of the Void Fairer. Um, uh, posh British accent. This is Isaac's voice, in fact. Um, but, uh, several characters on Void Fairer that bleed together. Um, uh... Yeah, I can sort of do a Russian accent. I can sort. I could do a, the German accent, Schreiber. You've heard. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty easy. You just all all your W's are V's, and all the V's are W's, and uh, all the uh, all the th sounds are Z's, and you've got a German accent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but uh, 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've never heard an accent before in my life. I just sort of pull them out of my ass when I need them. <laughs> uh, what about anybody else? Go ahead. I feel like I feel like I'm everybody so, at once. <laughs> I'm so much less of an accent person and more of just like an impressions person. Like I'll hear someone's voice and I'll just like do an impression of that voice. Do an impression uh, of me more right than now. anything. Do an impression of me right now. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like I just like parrot voices. I'm literally just a fucking parrot. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't really do like much on accents. I mean, I guess like I tried. To, this is this is like such a deep cut. Um, this is like back rooms shit. Um, so like we were going to do another season of fables that we had scrapped. I did the worst fucking voice for this show. It was fucking awful. And it was so inconsistent. Like, I changed the voice like 30 times in the one episode we recorded. And I am so glad this show got canned because I was like, this was a fucking mess. But I was trying to do like this, like, fucking Batman thing. And I was like, I was trying to go for like this, like, noir thing. And like, I don't know. It was just like, I could not keep it consistent and i think that's really the challenge with me with like voices i can do a voice for like two sentences but i'm like the second it's like i need to role play an entire conversation out in that voice oh it's falling apart this voice is absolutely falling apart so i was like yeah i'm i'm here to do this thing and like that was basically the voice and it was just like it was so bad it's so generic it had no character and i was like yeah this is fucking terrible like i shouldn't do this voice that would butcher um, your voice playing yeah, yeah. so yeah. so that's bad kind of voice, it was so bad that's the kind of voice i would do for an npc that you're only yeah. going to talk to once <laughs> yeah no it's so bad i was like this is so bad for a character voice yeah it was like an instant regret uh-huh <laughs> I guess I closest thing I have to that is Cutler's voice. who was very Jason Statham, Cockney. That was Cutler. Very similar to my uh, Fitzwilliam Locker voice from Voidfarer. Although I pitched that down a semitone in the edit. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a big hippo man. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, no, the... So, like, unfortunately, with the Irish accent, um, I actually visited Ireland with uh, with uh, my good friend Fergus uh, when we were 17. Uh, and so I had about a week of immersion. So um, it's real bad now. But uh, so I had this. And then, uh, so, like, I sort of have Russian accent, but it's terrible. Um, <laughs> and let, let's see. I mean the the Jack scent, right? Like the the one I wanted to do for Jack was, you know, somewhere down here. But my dad called it out as sort of being like, um, you know, Michael Keaton Beetlejuice. Yeah, uh, yeah. which it's very much. Uh, yeah, yeah, which that you know that that's fair. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, of course, being from the American South, we got all sorts of Southern accents. We got the, you know, the the plantation owner kind of really shitty you want to punch this person real hard, kind of like old-timey one, uh, versus, you know, you got more of the out in Kentucky, kind of out in the hills, uh, you know, nasally kind of up here kind of thing. Um, and then, like, you know, you got all your generic American accents, like, hey, I'm fucking walking here in New York, New York and New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, and, 
you know, you've got the I forget the name of the the accent, but the one they the one they did in movies that was almost British but not oh, quite. Oh, transatlantic. The, the, yeah, the transatlantic. The transatlantic accent. Yeah. The radio uh, broadcaster from the twenties. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so there is, of course, the the nineteen twenties radio announcer talking about baseball. Um, there's oh gosh. Um, I used to be better at a scope of British accents, um, or or English ones, I suppose, because. I can always recognize them, but I can't really recreate them. Um, and I'm not going to insult all the zero listeners we have from Liverpool by uh, <laughs> trying to trying to do that one. A Liverpool um, accent is a bit like this, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. I'm just trying to channel like Paul Hollywood. Yeah, um, and I just I can't. The Weasley uh, twins. <laughs> who oh, have God, a Liverpool yeah. accent when none of the other family do. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, and then, of course, you got out. your... Uh, you know, I found out, of course, that the uh, the sort of Midwestern accent, um, if you hear people who are actually from, like, Norway, that kind of... You know, the Scandinavian countries kind of speak in English, it also is this, which makes sense, of course, because they, you know, were settlers over here in America. And uh, so... Move to Minnesota. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that they're Minnesota. Uh, uh, God, I haven't listened to Mystery County Monster Hunters Club in a while, so my UP accent isn't very good. Yeah. But yeah, you um, want a big? You want a big with that? Big. <laughs> you want a big? Anyway, yeah. So I, I also have trouble staying in accents, as anyone who listened to this season of uh, Fables Around the Table could tell. But um, but yeah, no, I it's. You just pick them up. Yeah. Uh, I, I will, I guess, leave this topic with uh, with a little bit of advice, I guess, is uh, don't sweat the accents. Like, you can achieve so much with just uh, tone and intonation. That's my um, whole game. Like, I, yeah. I have DM'd entire D&D &D or tabletop role-playing games with just intonation and tone. I cannot do accents. Mm. I'm not going to embarrass myself today trying to do accents. <laughs> the only accent I can do is a little bit of a southern one, and that's only after I've been talking to someone with a southern accent for a while and I start to mirror it. Um, mm -hmm. You live in the south. I know. <laughs> you do literally live in the south. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, but okay. Bless your heart. <laughs> okay, I do say bless your heart plenty. Um, <laughs> you're from... You can't live down here and not say bless your heart. But I also say like buggy from like my my northeast Midwest border mm -hmm. upbringing and um yeah. buggy instead of shopping cart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, I I have an amalgamation of accents in my own voice. Um, but if, if you get me going, then I will start. I'll start doing the my southern accent because it comes out whenever I start hearing it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like when I when I he, when I'm talking to someone who's got a harsh southern accent down here, I start to mirror it and I start to sound very very southern very quickly. Um, but uh, that's that's the only time I I really sound southern, other than when I use the southern colloquialisms that I've picked up over the last ooh, seven years mm -hmm. seven yeah. years seven. <laughs> i can i can even hear it now a little bit but that's just because i'm from that that same area yeah. so i know like that that localized accent really well yeah. like it just sounds very like your your voice sounds very homely to me if that sounds like makes sense at all it's a compliment thank you yeah 
Um, like, oh, that's that's a, you're back from back where I where I grew up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, close well, to Tan- it. Tanner and uh, Adam, you guys are both from Virginia. Yeah. No, I didn't know you're from here, Tanner. Yeah, I was. Um, I uh, grew up in Roanoke. Oh, I'm so sorry. I drive through <laughs> Roanoke <laughs> to get home. <laughs> I remember Nick and I were actually having a conversation, saying what you were what you were planning later, and I was like, "Oh, it's that Richmond Roanoke uh, rivalry." Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I was. I mean, I live in most like the Appalachian, southwest Virginia, southwestern Virginia region. So, that... out in coal mining country. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, southern West Virginia, southwestern Virginia. Um, I will. S- and then yeah, Roanoke. So I will say I played at PaxU, uh, Old Gods of Appalachia, for a little while, and like because everyone was talking with an Appalachian accent, I could pick it up and I could do it. But that was because I was doing the mirroring thing again, like because everyone wasn't talking emphatically in this accent, I could do the accent. But I. That's I've embarrassed fun. myself enough for you people. Isn't this don't haven't you asked enough of me? Yeah. Since like we're uh, talking about it, um, I can hear a little bit of mine coming out, but like if you get me on the phone with my parents for like a few minutes, I mean it comes swinging back. And I never thought I had much of one until I moved away. Oh, that's when my um, Yinzer yeah. accent comes out. My Pittsburgh yeah. accent. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh no, it's funny, uh, Tanner. You've always had a little bit of the West Virginia accent, uh, and I never realized it specifically until I started listening to the McElroys more, because <laughs> they have a little bit of a West Virginia accent because they're from Huntington. <laughs> oh yeah, I forget that they're from Huntington. Yeah, yeah. Um, Huntington, Huntington. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> trying to enunciate more. Mm, if I yes. don't enunciate, Huntington. it's going to get worse. Disgusting. Mm, yes, Hunting. <laughs> But it's always like it always pops into my head whenever I'm driving. I'm like, oh yeah, that's where the McElroys are from, and then I just like move on with my life. But yeah, I, I still have a little bit of an accent, and it comes out every now and again. And like I said, if I don't start really enunciating my words right now, it's gonna get. I mean, it's gonna get even worse. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just realized Huntington. <laughs> I'm doing bad microphone discipline. I'm very sorry if. It's all right. This is how dare you? This is the. This is fine. Um, yeah, so, well, we only have a couple more questions left, and then I think we'll probably put this episode to bed. Yeah. Hell yeah. And uh, me. <laughs> sweepy baby. I'll be sure to tuck you I'll in, s- too. Yeah, we'll sing Aww, you a bedtime thanks, story, babe. give you a kiss on the forehead. <laughs> so, uh, this is a question from me for Andy. What? <gasps> if Good. B had survived... What would she be doing now? Ooh. And uh, how do you think she would have been changed by the events, uh, by the continuum incident, as it would go on to be known? Um, I think that depends on the circumstances of her survival. Um, like I mentioned earlier, she would hold a grudge if uh, she had survived at the expense of one of the other crewmates against against honestly whoever would have pulled that trigger and in this instance it was jack it would have been especially bad if it was jack because she gave jack those explicit instructions um but if someone had died so she could survive um i don't know actually quite i think she would go to seize back to sky to try and like kind of repent and to try and fight back against what had killed her crewmate um, because B 
B's whole character is rooted in her crew is her family and it is her duty to protect them. Even at the cost of her own life as seen in the show when in episode six, I think it was um, where she took her own life to prevent the whoa spoilers. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Are you fucking? Are you fucking with? If, I oh my god! Honestly, I had a, a chaotic not, way I had to a legit to moment. Yeah, I know. Don't, don't listen to the recap last. Uh, um, you're like I, I don't know how to, how did the cast feel about it before I listened to it? <laughs> right, right, right. Anyway, Andy, I'm sorry I interrupted for a bit. Continue. How dare you? But she she took measures to prevent. Uh, more damage to the crew because she was captured because she was taken over by this monster. Um, she did what she felt she had to do. Uh, even though she gave Jack so much shit for doing almost the exact same thing. Um, but I think that she would go to try and repent and try to do like a seize back the sky thing and become like a, a soldier for them, a protector for them. Um, but honestly, I think if I guess everything was kind of like hunky dory, everyone made it out okay, and it was like a nice situation where we all could have survived. Uh, she would have stuck with Jack, a hundred percent. She would think someone's got to look out for this lunk, and she would stay by his side and try to keep him out of trouble. So she would not join Seize Back the Sky. She would not take a big front against uh, capitalism or anything. She would just stick with her crew. Nice. So, all right. Well, I got one more question left. It is one for everyone. So we'll go around the horn. Um, this is a question. This is another question from chill master Nort on the discord. Thank you, Nort. Um, what was the scariest moment for your, each of you? I know my answer. <laughs> Go it ahead. It was a little bit of like a fridge horror moment, I guess. It was horrible when it was happening. It was worse when I re-listened to it and thought about it more. When B was puppeted for the first time by the monster after she died. When she, when she got anglerfished and she went through and she shot Delphine and Seabold. That was probably the scariest for me because I had lost so much agency. That was genuinely terrifying. And especially because I knew like combat was the one thing B was good at. And that was the thing you were having her doing. And I was just like, what monster did I create in this? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I felt guilty for my hand in it. Mm -hmm. That was probably the scariest moment for me. Yeah. That's what you have. What's what happens when you get puppeted by the man? <laughs> uh, yeah. I have a I have a slightly different one. Um, <laughs> since I didn't play, like I wasn't uh -huh. part of the horror element at all. Uh -huh. Um, but I will give at least a scary moment. Um, and that is any time in which like. I had to hear your all's reactions and like the most terrifying thing to me is if I heard absolutely nothing after what I did, 
um, I feel like I would have like ended up failing people. So that was my scary moment was like waiting to make sure I did my job. So I'm happy to hear like how much everybody hated me for doing what I did. Because <laughs> so that means I did my job. You're, you're getting hit. Yeah. You're getting hit once I meet you. <laughs> I've accepted this. That means I'm doing my job. That means I'm doing my job. Uh-huh. It's just like a like the heel from pro wrestling. Like if you're not booing, I'm not doing my job. So <laughs> I accept your hits as as love taps, very much so. As much that's as that's all they'll feel me. like. I'm not very strong. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, that was mine. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the scariest moment for me as a player was, I'd say probably about the same time that uh, Andy was saying, um, because I think it's just like, we don't know the rules of like how this works, like the loop had not really been revealed. Um, And so I think that that was something where just like, oh, shit, Uh, like, uh, and I think that like, you know, it makes sense for our characters to have that, you know, and, and us as players to kind of just like organically kind of find out that stuff. But I think that that just kind of had to feel like the scariest moment. I'm glad because that was by design. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Oh, I... <coughs> excuse me. One moment. Sure. Stop dying. <coughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, we already did that. Yeah. Many times. How yeah. could you? I can't believe that. this. That first loop, about halfway through, I knew what was up. Yeah, yeah, that that first loop, I think, when when we first started dying, yeah, I think that was my... Because, I mean, we, we truly had no idea. We were in the dark. Yeah. And when, I forget who See, died well, first, but I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. What is going on here? Did we fuck up? Like, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I, I I was very worried about that, um, and if you recall, I before we started that session, I said things might get weird. Please trust me; I have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I was worried about uh, an adverse reaction when that started happening. <laughs> I think I think the anglerfish moment also pretty terrifying um and truly i i don't know from like an existential standpoint whether um the moment where jack has to decide whether or not he's going to go into the black hole or not or the moment when he realizes that they will not be able to uh remove isaac from the ship and has to like make the choice to detach the ship. I I don't know which of those was more terrifying on an like on an emotional level. Uh but they were they were both quite literally staring into the void and yeah. making a choice. Yeah. I will say for me as the GM, that moment was also scary as shit for me. <laughs> because uh you detaching the ship and abandoning the ship and abandoning Delphine and Siebold on the ship with the monster was the biggest curveball you could have thrown me. Um, and Seabold, by the way. Right, right, yeah. right. <laughs> he was very much like, kind of like, Jack's coming behind me. No. <laughs> and no. <laughs> it was like Seabold just kept out hope for you. And I think that was like kind of the saddest part is that like Seabold was like still hoping. 
and uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, as I mentioned before, is like, I sort of always, like, obviously it's a role-playing game, and I'm not trying to, I wasn't trying to steer you guys to any one particular ending. I was as curious to find out how this was all going to end as much as you guys were. Um, but in my mind, I sort of always assumed that you would get through it into the loop and be able to fly away on your own ship. When that didn't happen, <laughs> I was like, shit, now what? Um, and then I also, like, the, the ending of it being so bleak with, uh, with like, Siebold and uh, Delphine being sentenced to their fates by Jack, um, while it's super interesting. And the fact, and I don't think saving Siebold and Delphine undermines that decision, because it was very, it, it was still a decision Jack made, and he didn't know he was going to be able to save them after that. Um, so... In that moment, I'm like, how do I make this not a complete bummer of an ending? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it just so happened that uh, Jack went to the alien spacecraft and that gave me kind of the tools to do a cool uh, a cool twist at the end to, to have some sort of, you know, have some characters come out of this that can learn and grow and, and you know, that be more of a slightly hopeful ending than you know, Jack sentencing all his crewmates to death and then getting away. <laughs> um, but, you know, if that's how it would have ended up, then that's how it would have ended up. But um, I have an honorable mention, just thinking about, sure. like, not necessarily what, like, shook me the most as, like, a player and listener, but just, like, something that sits with me. It's, again, B-centric, obviously, because when I play a character, I am that character, and that character is me. But when, after B uh, shot herself with a shotgun, and Seabull got that glimpse of her, your description of her really fucking shook me. Um, like, just that she was just half there, and she was, like, lumbering along, and, and I don't know, that really stuck with me. Um it's just like a very horror centric moment in my head. And I don't do good with horror. So thanks for that nightmare fuel. I appreciate that. I'm happy to help contribute to that horror by making that <laughs> yeah. happen. I also, uh -huh. <laughs> I, I have one more question, but this could be a patron question maybe because I am a patron. Yeah, and no, let it, I'm going to, I'm going to take stuff out of that. We've already recorded out for patrons. So you can ask. It um, my question uh, has to do with uh, the monster. Um, the monster was very different from the alien creatures that were being studied and were initially found. So my question is, what yeah. were the, what was the monster doing on the same ship as the light creatures? Were they security? Were they an invasion? Like, what was the story there? Uh, they were, they were, uh, uh, it was, it was a parasite. They were preying on. So I, I kind of envisioned that they came from the same planet. Um, uh, and that, cause it's like, you know, there's, there's elements to both creatures that are light and electromagnetic based. One is a being of pure electromagnetism basically. And the other is a creature that feeds on such. So it was actually those creatures invading the ship that killed the aliens that built it. Interesting. So how was Jack able to, was it just the technology that Jack was, Jack and Dr. Schreiber were able to harness it? Like, I feel like there was almost like an element of those creatures still alive in the ship when they took it. So 
Yeah. Um, well, it's the the ship itself was made out of hard light, um, perhaps in a similar way to the to the alien creatures physiology. Um, but uh, brain signals are electromagnetic. Uh, so I kind of envisioned these aliens as being um, like kind of just psychic entities and that the control of the ship is empathetic, which means that with enough understanding, with enough guidance that Schreiber was able to give, it allowed Jack to empathetically reach out with the ship um, and interface with it in a way he didn't fully understand because why would he? You know what I mean? Jack um, and empathy, <laughs> empathetic, not not truly like not emotional empathy, but you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it it's basically the the easy way to allow these human characters to interact with this very weird alien technology in a way that makes the story work without having to explain it a whole lot. Um, I dealt with enough with enough hard sci-fi in the way everything else worked that I allowed myself the liberty to be a little esoteric uh, and soft sci-fi with the extra-dimensional alien creatures uh, and their technology. <laughs> we talk about Jack and his empathy and his emotions and everything, and we don't bring back B with that. You're a monster. <laughs> Unfortunately, the technology is not there to do that. It can fold space time and poke a hole through the paper to grab two people. Time <laughs> yeah. was just an element to them. It was just you. We could, we, you know what? We can have this argument offline. <laughs> Take this outside. Yeah. Uh, did any Did any guys have any other questions for me? Uh, I. I have a question for Tanner. Um, yes. Uh, oh, what would you have done if Cameron lived and he had a chance to maybe get closer to B? Oh. Um, I think if Cameron lived, A, the story would be a very, very different story. Yeah. Um, B, I think that there definitely would have been more of the Cameron B romance, and I think that it would have definitely been much more of the um, slow mm -hmm. burn um, that we were talking about earlier. So, um, certainly... So I'd call it a B plot. Shut up. Yeah, it's definitely a B plot. Ah. A B and a cam plot, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that... Um, it would have been a very, it would be a very much more fun, different element that would not have been like, that wasn't there in the actual story it would be a much more like romantic kind of plot. And honestly, I think it'd be fun to play with the idea of the time loop and the romance and replaying a lot of that too. Ooh. Like, I think we could have had a lot of fun mm -hmm. with it if we had given the chance, if we had had the opportunity mm -hmm. to do so. But, I would love to do that. Yeah, I I think that, that if at the end of the day Cameron would have lived, he'd been like, you know, confessed his feelings to B and maybe try to convince B to join, uh, you know, seize back the sky. To which she would be like, yeah. uh, what? And that would be the whole speed bump would just be like, she'd be like, hang on, whoa, no, hey, no, what? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> feelings, what? Hang on. No, hang on. Wait. My bo my turns out my boyfriend is a Marxist terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> we can work uh, that out. That's that's you know. 
<laughs> I feel like I feel like Cameron also would have. I mean, this still ultimately kind of happens anyway. The way it plays out, the Cameron absolutely radicalizes Seabold. It's like, <laughs> let's go. I uh-huh. thought that that was so poignant. Like the what Cameron yeah. said in the recording and individually what you had decided yeah. for mm-hmm. Seabold. They went together so yeah. well. I thought that was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, Seabold, uh, Roger recorded his his news clip for Seabold before hearing Tanner's recording because I didn't show that to them until they listened to the episode when we did the listen party. <laughs> yeah, and, I think uh, we just had the same idea. Yeah. The no, vibes it worked, worked. Perfect, yeah. Yeah, it was good. I, I liked that the flashback actually worked really well, too, I think, in that episode, yes. which, of course, we recorded that forever ago. Right. Um, so I had yeah. no idea where I was going to go with Seabold, really. But you know, uh, even then, I think he like still wanted to take action, you know. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. it just yeah. was in trying to protect somebody else that probably shouldn't have been protected. But exactly. Yeah. No, um, I did put thought into the flashbacks and where I thought they would line up with the arc of the story. So like. Uh, but ultimately it was up to you guys to do what you were going to do with your characters. I was just sort of like, this scenario feels like it creates a cool parallel with what I think might be going on in the main story at that time. Um, and, uh, I definitely wanted those to be, uh, not only a lens into the characters individually outside of this very specific weird horror scenario, um, so you can get a feel of who they are normally, what the team dynamic is under normal circumstances, and a little bit more of their backstories, um, you know, because we would have a limited, I knew going into things, we would have a limited opportunity to explore a lot of that stuff by the nature of the very unique time loop situation that I had devised for them. So, mm-hmm. um, and it was sort of a gamble, a shot in the dark, because I had really no idea how the actual sessions would play out. And uh, I couldn't be more pleased with how things just happened to fall together. Yeah, it was really good, all things considered. I think it was a fantastically told yeah, story. I yeah, I'm really happy regret. with this. What was that, Adam? I was, I was very happy. I only have one regret. Mm-hmm. And we, we brought it up in one episode, and I realized the listeners would have had no context for it. But we never did get Dr. Stabby the Roomba. We did, oh. so in the form of Damn. the Exoloter. I mean, we did have, we did have. He stabbed Gavin Seabold. Price with I Dr. Did. Stabby the Roomba. It's true. But I did. For it was Chekhov's exoloader. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I, I do have one regret for the show. Um, actually, I want to hear everybody's answer for this now. Uh, yeah. What's your regrets? Uh, and I think my regret is why did we not have a fun pet name for the monster? Ooh. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, what's up with that? You guys. We never did that. Mm. I don't know. We should have done, done that. that. We never could. We couldn't even figure out what to classify it as. We jumped from the monster, the creature, the alien. Yeah. Like, I usually referred to it as the organism. Yeah. Mm. In we my notes, called it the I, I probably called it a myriad of things in the recording, but. <laughs> I don't know. It feels more like a Chet to me. A Chet? <laughs> I was gonna go with something like Mr. Floppy. Mr. Floppy. Mr. Oh Floppy. If we called it a squid, we could have reused the the fucking squids emote in the Discord. But yeah, um, <laughs> Mr. Floppy is good. Though. Yeah, I like Mr. Floppy. Only a little cursed. <laughs> uh, I'll say yeah. I'm 
I'm, in terms of regrets, I'm a broken record here. I just wish I could have played. We would have oh, loved yeah, to have yeah. you. My schedule got in the way. Yeah. It would have been fun. It would have been a very different story. So at the same time, too, I don't have that many regrets because I think the story would have worked better without me than it would. I think it would have been just as good of a story. It just would have been a different story. It would have been a different story. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I would have, um, I had intended to do a different thing to like knock you guys on your heels at the beginning. I forget even what it was now, but. One of your crewmates that you thought was another PC <laughs> dying upon yeah. arrival, literally, uh, was probably the best thing I could have done to throw you guys off kilter and uh, lean into the horror vibes out the gate. And I will say, like, Cameron dying at the beginning instantly changed the trajectory of B's story. It would have been she would have had a very different story and a very different arc had Cameron survived and had you played with us. And I would have liked to have explored that. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say that as my regret because <laughs> I have a bit for my regret, oh. but um, it's for not a bit. good bit. It's not a good bit, but I am saying that uh, it would have been, it would have been very interesting to explore. And I am sad that we didn't get to do it. My, my, my regret. Um, is that goddamn voice I tried to give her in the flashbacks that I did not carry through to the episodes because I just could not do it. It was it was a change in tone. It was a change in pitch. And I was trying super hard to do it. I, I regret the flashbacks in general. Like, I regret the things that I said. I was not comfortable. I was so nervous. I was so anxious. Well, that was the I was first just, time you were recording in character. Ever. Exactly. Yeah. And it was the first time I was recording for a podcast ever in my life. Mm-hmm. And I was just this big bundle of nerves and I I stumbled and I struggled and I hate listening to the flashbacks because I feel like I could have done such a better job had I had more confidence in myself and more confidence in my ability to play a character which I know I can do at a table for like a game. But when it came to seeing the stupid audacity line that I've been watching for the last two hours, 13 minutes and 17 seconds, um, I, I just couldn't do it. Um, I got, I got super anxious and not only was my character thrown, my voice was thrown. And that's why I decided once the episode started, I was just going to talk in my normal voice. And I wish I had done that from the beginning. I think it would have made me a lot more comfortable. Yeah, that's all right. Um, I think you did a fantastic job. Like, honestly, voices are hard. I I talked about that earlier. Voices are hard, dude. I think the, the level of depth you brought to B and the subtlety in her performance was just amazing. Like, I think you. you knocked it out of the park. Thank yeah. you. Agreed. Thank you so much. That means a yeah, lot. I liked B a lot. I mean, I don't know. Seabold grew to like B a lot too, but you know. B grew to like Seabold a lot. Yeah, I think Seabold like kind of started like honestly, I don't know, kind of like fetishizing B with the arm, but like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was the original plan, but it never really came to fruition, and I'm kind of glad for that. Uh, yeah, it was like it was like genuine respect, I think, though, towards yeah. The, I mean, especially no. when we have like, you know, Jack to compare to, and I think Seabold you right. respect yeah. Jack. Yeah. Um, and like I I mean what I say or I've meant what I've said throughout the the series is that Andy has always loved Seabold 
Seabold to death. B hated Seabold, grew to respect Seabold, and then grew to love Seabold. Not in a weird way, in a big sister way. But, um, like, I have always really, really appreciated and enjoyed the character that you created, Roger. I've, I appreciated the characters everyone created. I thought that everyone did a fantastic job. Um, but the fact that you set out to make such a punchable fucking character <laughs> and then made him so lovable. Like, I'm mad respect. Thank you. Thank you. Uh -huh. I appreciate it. As much shit as I have given uh, Jack, I also really, really respected Jack a lot, just in general, like as a character, like on paper. Um, even if I think our characters are just like going to be philosophically at odds. Um, like I really, I, I think I was always very surprised by the choices you made, Adam. And I think that, I think like the, the moment where Jack is just like, okay, well, I'm just going to, blow my own brains out floating out in space i was like oh okay so this is going to be very different loop decisions now uh for the rest of this game so i'm like okay uh so it's just always very surprising i think seeing jack and um through through adam's choices for sure yeah well i'm i'm glad that i was able to make fun and evocative choices um i i don't know i was also very nervous um I mean, I've been I've been DMing games for a while, and I did theater in high school, but like, I haven't performed for other people for an audience in a long time, and I was I was really afraid that I was going to come on here and I don't know let you guys down or like I mean that's why I asked Nick about how genre savvy Jack could be because I was afraid that if I if I played too genre savvy, then I would be, you know, like besmirching the game, uh, making it less fun. And I, I still worry that some of the things like uh, when the synth first showed up and I was like, are you stuck in this time loop with us? Like just, just very I sort of to the great. point outside of the fiction. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I, I hoped those points landed and they didn't come off as too meta. And I don't think from so. what I hear, people liked it. Mm -hmm. And so, Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm I thought glad you I knocked you guys it out of the toes. park. Well, I, I, yeah, I think I, I thought Jack was an incredible character and I thought your performance of him was, was incredible. Like from start to finish um, on the note of the, the genre savvy stuff. I actually think it really benefits. Uh, it really uh, elevates the story because something as esoteric as a time loop story kind of requires a certain level of genre savviness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, and we did it a little bit uh, like on a meta level uh, just to fast forward through stuff so we didn't have to have the same conversations and do the same things every time. Um, even in the world, you're having to do that. So it makes sense that at a certain point, uh, like it's just more practical to ask someone point blank, are you stuck in this time loop with me? Because they're either going to know what you're talking about or they don't. Yeah. And I think that's just a very practical way to approach it. You know? Yeah. No, <laughs> um, I, I, I remember... And this isn't like a, I don't know. I'm afraid of this coming off wrong, but. Um, That's fine. Dunk on me. I don't care. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to dunk on you. I was actually going to praise you. I thought you did. Oh, I would prefer that you dunk on me. No, I'm going to praise you. <laughs> Fucking deal with it. Um, Let well, us say I nice things, Adam. making you uncomfortable. No. <laughs> I knew that Tanner had experience. I knew that Roger had experience. I knew that Caitlin had experience. And of course, Nick has experience. You and me, Adam, were the two newcomers. 
And I was like, okay, it'll be fine because there's one other person who's like just as scared as me. And for some reason that did not compute because of how well you fucking did coming out of the gate and throughout the show. And I was just like, oh my God, we have two newcomers. One is like coming out with this voice and this really interesting character. And let me take that again. Hang on. I have a cough. <coughs> and then I'm sorry. I had the flu last week and I am still recovering. <coughs> anyway, had this really interesting character and this really great voice. And like you blew me away. And I was just like, holy shit. How do I stack up to that? Holy shit. I am the worst person on this podcast. <laughs> like... <laughs> No, you did great too. <laughs> you you were not. I I I have my own skills that I brought to the table, and I admit that, and I accept that, and I will praise myself on that, which is a very difficult thing for me to do. I I know my character, and I played her well, but like I wish I could have played her to the caliber that you played Jack. <laughs> if that see, makes I sense. disagree. I I think. I think you had a very strong sense of character all the way through. And even when you felt like you were fumbling or even when, and of course, you know, our listeners wouldn't have heard this, but you know, even when you asked for a second to sort of think about what you wanted to say and then said it, like, I think you made extremely solid character choices all the way around. Thank you. And yeah. I would say the same for Roger too. Like I, again, as, as punchable as Seabold was for, uh, all of the show like <laughs> you know it was good like it was it was solid character choices and like i don't know these felt like people and not like characters that were being played by people yeah like yeah and god damn it i will even say it about tanner piece <laughs> of shit dude. um Love you, too. you know all of the yeah all the little times all the i mean the the flashbacks and then especially the fucking gut punch that was the epilogue God. like i i was just so impressed i had and... to stop the most recent time i re-listened because i just was not ready for that emotion at that moment <laughs> thank <Yeah>. you <laughs> it, it's just the the gif of the comedian Stephen he just the emotional damage oh, over and over and over again yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, we're yes. just complimenting each other. We're supposed to be talking about our regrets. <laughs> yeah. So they fucking uh, nailed it. <laughs> look, we needed to put a button on the end of this, okay? Yeah. Well, I have a button. A wholesome. Right. What is our, is this our wholesome button? We can have this be their wholesome button, or I had a question that could be the button. Let's, let's yeah, have a button. I'm, I'm good for a question. I didn't say my regrets yet, though. Oh, what is your shit. Oh, uh, yeah. I have I lots do and lots, hear actually. Regrets. Lots and lots and lots. One one I mentioned. He met actually, some the dumb girl one... during the recording of the show and just, ugh. <laughs> no. Um, no. Uh, honestly, honest to God, my biggest regret is the one I've already mentioned, is I wanted to make the paper. Uh, I wish I would have yeah. thought of the, uh, the, the folded paper and hold uh, callback. It's okay, we'll uh, patch in it in. We'll Honestly, it in. I joked about that with Andy. <laughs> yep. I mean, uh, you could do it. Years down told the line, do somebody it. will make a Reddit thread about it and be like, yeah. "Hey, I was listening to this podcast again, and like, I don't remember this being." There. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be when I do, do the it. George Lucas thing and do like the the special edition re-release. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now with more um, CGI. 
No, but, when yeah. this is adapted into like a, a mini series, like we'll <laughs> we'll include that. Yeah, if Critical Role can do it, uh, we're we're next, obviously. Yeah. Well, whenever yeah. we're inevitably picked up by Prime, right? Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but but no, that's probably my biggest, most tangible <laughs> regret is like I wish I would have been quicker on the uptake and I would have thought of that in the moment, but I didn't. But uh, uh, no, there's just so much. There's like so many little details that that didn't end up making it into the episode, but just because of just how beefy it all was it was already a big ambitious tangled uh web of narrative um that it was impossible to keep every idea i had in it um and make it make sense so there's a lot of little things that just didn't make it in um of which i can't think of a single example but i know there's a bunch <laughs> <laughs> Like once once I once I uh once it didn't end up making it in the final, my brain just sort of like, you know cleared the cash. Um but yeah. Anyway, uh Andy, you had another question? Yeah, it's actually from the Twitter post. Adam, what's Jack's favorite beer? Just you don't have to have a brand, just like <laughs> If you can describe it, was it a light beer? Is it a dark beer? Is it an IPA? Is it a, like, what kind of beer does Jack like? <laughs> I mean, so Jack Pilsner's Jacked Pilsner uh, that he was drinking all through the entire show. Uh, I don't remember how well I had described it, but the idea was that um, he was brewing beer with marijuana in it. Ah. Um, and I remember Nick and I had had a conversation because Nick's like, oh, yeah, like marijuana and hops are kind of related. And like there's actually companies that go and, and make that now. And because Jack uh, was my exploration of everything I hate about masculinity, um, absolutely it's some kind of IPA. Uh, <laughs> fuck IPAs. Um <laughs> If anyone ever wants to know, I prefer stouts and porters, stouts and even porters in the summer, good. because I'm a monster. Yeah, um, summer's a little rough. I'm more I of can a do a sour porter. boy. I can do a ripe porter in the summer. Ooh, sours. I love sours. I yeah, love I'm sours. more of a sour boy now. I'm a sours and cider and light beer kind of person. Not IPAs, though. I fucking hate IPAs. I like IPAs. I enjoy I'm, them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nick, you have to like IPAs. I do work, you for, work for the brewery that makes the best the one best in The best one in the world. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, excuse me. The best one in the world. I apologize. Yeah. Two gold medals this um, year. <laughs> you know, uh, I appreciate the fact that, you know, you've uh, you've spray painted that turd and <laughs> it's, it's real gold. Uh-huh. Like, it looks like uh-huh. real gold. And, no, I'm, I'm I still won't it. drink and, it. You know, I I have said I'll drink that one because if I don't like the best IPA in the world, there's no hope. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back to your point, Jack. Jack's favorite beer is the one he makes, uh, which is a marijuana infused IPA. I smell a merchandising opportunity. <laughs> Capitalism still alive, baby. Yep. Hell yeah. 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 Nick, call up Fatheads for me, please. Sure. Yeah. Got a great idea. <laughs> Ohio uh, pot is legal in Ohio now. Hey. Yeah, as of, as of a week ago. Honestly, <laughs> look, are we manifesting this right now? I demand royalties. Can I get like, in on this? I, it doesn't have to be a lot, but you know, I don't know. I got bills to pay, man. Come we on. can call it continuum. <laughs> the continuum. Well, Jack Pilsner's Jack Pilsner. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, 
So, all right. Uh, with that, I think that's a pretty beefy uh, Q and A and discussion episode, don't you guys think? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, um, as is customary, uh, we're going to talk about the next fable coming out. And with that, excitedly, I'm going to throw to Adam. Well, um, I think it's maybe better if I just do the bit. Do the bit. Do, do the, the bit. bit. Do the bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, Nick, you'll have to add the correct music in post. Oh, I got but, you. Yeah. Fables Around the Table is a role-playing game anthology podcast. Next season, we're playing The Old Gods of Appalachia RPG by Monty Cook Games, based on the horror podcast written by Cam Collins and Steve Schell. That means there may be material not suitable for all audiences, so listener discretion is advised. That's it. Just letting you know it was Yakety Sax playing under the whole thing. Yeah, good. good Can good. I say, um, though, like, if you're uncertain about Old Gods of Appalachia, give it a fucking shot. Dear God. Yeah, I, I will say, um, while I am not super close friends with them, um, I am friends with Cam and Steve, and I feel like I owe them a very big duty of care to make sure that I play with their toys properly. Um, and of course the RPG is a little bit different than the show for obvious reasons, but, um, I, I have spent a lot of time thinking about what will be happening next season and I hope it comes through and I hope it's at least as good as this season was. I mean, hell, I didn't even listen to it. I just played it. I, I went into it blind at PAX U. It was amazing, and I love the world that's there, and I love the opportunities that's there, and I cannot be more excited about this upcoming season. I'm excited to listen. It'll be good, or we'll scrap it, and nobody will ever know. (laughs) (laughs) Except they listen to this, so now you're you're locked in. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All right, with that, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, this has been Continuum. We could put it to bed. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm like a little sad. We'll table bed. this discussion for now. Uh-huh. We'll, we'll circle back to it later. Uh-huh. We'll circle back. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Um, but anyway, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening um, this entire season. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you guys so much for playing. Um, I can't stress this enough. Uh, the the season is what it is in no small part for your contributions. And um, thank you so much for putting up with my bullshit. Um, there was a lot of it. <laughs> he sure was. Ain't that the truth. Uh, but uh, yeah, for, for those listening, um, come hang out with us on our Discord, uh, projecturl.com slash Discord. Um, support us on Patreon if you're able, uh, patreon.com slash projectderailed. Um, check out our other shows, Tales of the Void Fair. I'll be working on again real soon with Tanner. Hello. Um, and uh, new episodes will be back in 2024. Um you can check out our other shows on the podcast, like Into the Scoobyverse. Uh, that is Roger's show with Fiona. Yeah, we got to record more stuff, but we got plenty to talk about. There's so much Scooby shit. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, until next time. Bye. 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 Bye, y'all. See you real soon.
projectderailed.com